Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. Parents, do you struggle with kids who have big feelings? Don't lie, we all do. Kids have big emotions. And this whole last year has been a pressure cooker of big emotions. And our kids are now struggling to process them. This issue needs to be addressed. So I reached out to my friend Maylin Griffiths on Instagram to see if she could talk about it. Because you see, she's a clinical child psychologist and specializes in this exact stuff. So buckle up, guys. This is going to be an awesome episode. But first, gotta pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. So like I said in the intro, our kids are struggling with the emotions they are feeling. And because of that, we're having ourselves a real mental health crisis. Additionally, it seems like the empathy and ambition are just being sucked from our youth. And so I reached out to our guest today, and I'm so happy that they are here. Dr. May Lin is a mother of two and a clinical psychologist. She founded Raising Good Kids to serve as a tool to help make it a little bit easier to intentionally raise amazing kids and help them be a little resilient along the way. So thank you, May Lin, for coming to the show. You got it. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So first off, how the heck are you? Where are you coming at us from? I'm good. I'm in sunny Arizona. It was really nice and hot today this morning coming in. So I'm in Arizona area. Man, I'm in I'm in Utah. So it's not exactly warm right now in, in Utah. I'm in Tooele. But last weekend, um, I'm, a, I'm an assistant coach for the wrestling team and we were in St. George for a divisional wrestling tournament. I did not want to come back home. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like 70 degrees and I know. snowing. It rained here last weekend and my daughter, who's three, put on her snow boots and her snow bib and her snow jacket <laughs> and a raincoat. And it rained for like 10 minutes. <laughs> she was like, I'm ready. And I was like, oh, you don't know what weather is. Like, this is funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah I didn't want to come home, but I did. And then it, it dirt rained, like, like it, yeah. when it, it, like dirt snow rained. Like my car, it's usually like a like a weird turquoise, but it was just brown. I'm like, nice. Mm, welcome home. Anyway, yeah. so you're a clinical child psychologist, right? Um, That's correct. And you're a you're a doctor. You got that good old PhD, right? Well, my children remind me that I'm not a real doctor. So yeah, <laughs> no, I have a PhD in clinical psychology. It reminds me of Friends with Monica when that when when Rachel goes in to have her baby and Ross is like it's doctor and Monica's like Ross stop that means something here in the hospital. Gotcha. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're you got your you're PhD. Not a real doctor. Not a real doctor, but really though. Yeah. Um so you got a lot of experience to say the least. Um with children, with psychology and with all these things we're talking about. Um I'm a school counselor at a high school and a big part of my job are these things called planning for college and career readiness, where we plan for the kids for the future. It's their chance to shoot for the stars. We can make up a great plan to get them there. But something I'm noticing is a lot of kids are progressively getting less ambitious. They're pretty chill with just almost anything and just coasting by and not really 
trying to shoot for something. They don't really have dreams like they used to. Yeah. Um, what happened to the fire to shoot for the stars? Like, what are your thoughts on ambitious kids well, and how we can help them? That's a good question. I was going to ask you what you think it is, but I suppose you're asking me. So, you know, I think that sometimes it can be a fear of failure. And so maybe we just don't reach for the stars because I know that I might not make it. So why even try? You know, so we have that fear of failure. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on kids to be an NBA star and yes. a lawyer and an engineer and a doctor and a mom and a family. You know, it's like, whoa, I can't do any of those things. I don't I don't want to do anything. So I think it's maybe a little bit of our, you know, living out our dreams through our kids, putting that kind of pressure on them. I, and I really think your frontal lobe's not not working in high school. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, so we're asking them to make, you know, I always love that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, well, if we think about it from a brain-based standpoint, they're in no position to be making long-term decisions right now. Heavens <laughs> so no. we should back up a little on those questions. I know. So many counselors are like, all right, what, what job do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm sitting yeah. here like, well, can, can, maybe let's like, what are you interested in learning more about? Uh, what, what, what careers interest you? We don't, we're not making these big kid decisions yet. Cause guess what? Big kids don't even know how to make those decisions yet. No. Yeah. And I feel strongly that that first year of wherever you go after high school, whether it be community college, whether it be traveling abroad, whether it be a university, you know, whether it be a service that you're giving back for a year, that's really about figuring out yourself. Yes. figuring out how to do your laundry, figuring out how to feed yourself, um, how to be in a relationship with other people. You know, it's really a lot about identity and growth. Then we pile on top of that. What do you want to be? And you can't make, you can't change that. You can't, you can't go back on that. And right. gosh, that just for me would be paralyzing. I mean, that just is, is a lot of pressure to say, Hey, grow up and then also make these really heavy decisions, you know? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I love what you said that sometimes us as parents and adults put way too much pressure on the kids to A, figure out what they want to do with their life or just B, be too perfect at too yeah. many things. Like yeah. I know parents that they have their kids going to all of the off-season football camps, all of the off-season wrestling camps. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get him NCAA scholarships for wrestling and football. He's going to be a 4.0 all-star, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, that would stress me out a little bit. If my parents had that big of like – they had already made my plans for me before I decided what I liked. Yeah. Um, and I think what we find is when we get these kids in offices and they go, I don't even really like football. I just know my parents like it or it makes them feel good or I love mm -hmm. the relationship around football, but really the sport I'm not that into. And it's like, wow, is anyone listening to you? Is anyone listening to that? You love when people cheer for you and you love when they show up for you and you love this community around the sport. But you know, maybe we can find that in other things too. It doesn't have to be us deciding what our kids are into. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm, why I felt like kids are a little less ambitious because they haven't been given the space to figure out what they like. And so they're like, well, I'll yeah. just coast along because mom and dad's have been the one pushing me along anyway. 
Yeah. You know, and so we do. So we have these clusters where it's like, well, if I don't push him to do anything, he'll sit and play video games all day. And I hear that, right? So I do hear that idea of like, find something you're passionate about, find something you like to do and put some effort into it. Um, Put some interest into it, you know, kind of diversify your interests. So maybe you like um, this video game, but then you also like art and you also like karate and you also like football, you know, so that we're kind of figuring out a little, a little kind of like buffet of what they're into. And then, you know, I, I, I'm kind of on this kick, talked about it a little bit today, but I think our role is to as a kind of like a guidance counselor, mm even when I was a graduate teacher. So I had graduate students that would come to me, their eyes were as wide as could be. These classes were so above their head and they would say, I'm going to quit. I'm going to drop out. I can't do this. I don't know why I signed up for this. And I would just say, I won't let you fail. You will only fail if you really want to. Mm. And that's it. You tell me what you need. You, you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. You're going to have to put in a lot of effort. You're probably not going to sleep very much but you'll only really fail at this if you want to fail at it. I love that. You'll only really fail if you want to. Because I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, when we fail slash quit something, it's because we no longer like truly deep down, we truly no longer want it anymore. And we didn't believe that we could, or maybe we didn't have the support to get us to the end. And so I love as your role as, you know, a guidance counselor working with these kids in schools and stuff is to say, tell me what you need. You need, you need more tutor time. You need more study time. You need more books. You need, what do you need? You know, if you need it, let me know and I'll get you to the finish line. You got to be the one doing the work though. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So I think, I mean, if as parents, if we could adopt that mindset too, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? My job, I, I, you trust me and, and we have this relationship together. I won't let you fail. That's it. Yeah. Period. Dot the end. Like yeah, I'm it. here for you. I won't you. let you fail. I'm your support. You yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. I basically, I won't give up on you. Like, it's not going to like, it's going to be okay. Kids have yeah. big emotions. Like they just do. It's part of them growing up and learning and all that good stuff. And when they're introduced to those emotions, it can be tough, but I'm noticing that kids are, they're struggling more and more than usual with these big yeah. feelings. What are your thoughts? It's like on we're that? in a little bit of a we're in a bit of a pressure cooker right now, so um, <laughs> it, it's it's almost not fair. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But but I will say, I mean, throw on a full time job for two parents working at home plus kids distant learning with computers, and we're all in the same environment, and there's no breaks and there's no outlet. I mean, it really just is a pressure cooker for big big emotions. Yeah. And so we have to acknowledge that first, but I also think we have to be careful to say, we don't want emotions. We don't want big emotions. We, you know, they, they kind of scare us because we do, we, I think we need those emotions. We need them to come out. Right. Right. And how can we teach our kids that these emotions aren't bad? Cause a lot of kids are like, no, the big emotions are bad. Being depressed. That's bad. That's a stigma. That's bad. Yeah. I can't have bad anything. I need to be happy at home. Cause I don't want to make mom and dad stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I'm happy, my mom and dad like that. So I'll just be happy. You know, they kind of, they do that like A plus B is C, you know, so we go this way, but 
you know, I think one of the big things that we have to really think about is who's afraid of the big emotions? Is it us or is it our kids? Because sometimes the big emotions freak us out because we go, oh, no, we're in the grocery store right now. Or I don't know if this is going to stop or I can't handle this right now. And so we have to think about who who really are these big emotions scaring? And the other thing is getting to see kids more in a clinical setting is these big emotions are going to come out either way if they stuff them they'll come out in another way they'll come out as anger they'll come out as lying they'll come out as stomach aches they'll come out you know they're going to come out they'll come out two weeks from now when it's not even about that anymore so i like to think of those big feelings as like a balloon that you're just like blowing up and blowing up and blowing up they're going to come out and so the goal of managing big emotions is to learn how to slowly let them out in manageable doses in a way that feels safe in a way that we can all kind of come together and support so we're not saying don't have them we're just saying i want you to have the confidence to be able to bring them down Mm. and i want to be able to give you those tools in, in a way that you can do that safely yeah because I mean that that's so important for them to feel like that they can let those emotions out, and they need to because, like you said, they're coming you out one to. way or another. Yeah. It's either going to yeah. explode in the pressure cooker, or it's going to come out slowly like a little balloon and be okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and what we also see. I mean, let's think long term. How many of us parents grew up in environments where big emotions weren't allowed? Right. And what kind of problems did that create later? Right. So even <laughs> if you don't see it in a week or two. This will play out later. So we really need to be priming our kids today because we want them to be successful when they're in relationships later too. Right. So what are some simple practices that parents can do to help prime their kids, to help them, um, you know, release these big emotions in a safe way? Yeah. So I like to practice calming down when we're not upset. I think that's one of the easiest things to do. And it's one (laughs) of the things that we don't think about until we need to. So, I mean, I kind of think about like, if you were like kayaking in the middle of the ocean, that's not the time to learn how to swim, right? Like we should have learned how to swim before we took our kayak out into the middle of the ocean. And so it's kind of the same thing when we're talking about calming down. I don't know that we ever really sit with our kids and say, hey, here's how we calm down when we're upset. Here's how mommy calms down. And here's how the dog calms down. And here's how brother calms down. And we really kind of make it a conversation. And so I really encourage parents, and this can be at any age. I mean, two and up usually. I mean, anything under than two, the kid's probably just going to stare at you. But, you know, two and up. (laughs) all the way up to 18, there isn't a a ceiling on this. I'm really frustrated. Can I borrow your calming stuff to calm me down? And I practice it with kids. Even in my office, I have these calming glitter jars. And the first like three minutes I go, sometimes I get really mad and I shake them up and the kids go, I get mad too. And I go, great, let's shake it up and practice. So if we get mad, we'll right away know what to do. And so we practice it and I model that. Um, I get mad too and I get frustrated um, and I have things that help me calm down. And so let's practice what we would do when we get mad so that we are, it's like a muscle memory. We already Mm -hmm. know how to do this. We practice this. I love that. And also practicing when you're not mad, A, and I laughed at that because I was just like, yes, a, a toddler's throwing a tantrum. It's like, no, hey, listen, breathe, breathe. Look at me, breathe. Now we're deep no, breathing. No, yeah. no, yeah. not going to work out. <laughs> and what I noticed too, and this has been my style, is that when something gets really big, I get really small. 
Like really, and so if you think about if someone's really out of control, really, and they watch you not mirroring that, not reflecting that, not yelling back, it's helpful for their brain to go, ooh, I'm the odd man out on this one. Let's bring it down a notch, right? So usually if I see a younger kid, even like two to six, really just losing it, I'll just start taking big, deep breaths. And I'll just start one plus two three and just doing something very logical i'm here i hear you you are so mad so two and two is four okay i hear you and so and they'll just start copying that mm. oh mom's doing something really logical oh this lady's doing something very easy very simple I'll grab those like fidget toys and just start like fidgeting with them. And then you'll slide them over to them so they can use it. So I'm not saying, oh, you need to calm down. Here's a stress ball, right? I mean, that's going to get chucked right at your face. (laughs) So the idea that I'm just modeling it. And then what we see are those mirror neurons is kids will just start mimicking and doing that with you too. I like to really include some type of logical task in that. So those like Rubik's cubes or counting um, or I'll just start naming colors I see in the room green and pink and white and usually kids are like what is she doing and before you know it they're like oh I kind of forgot why I was mad (laughs) but (laughs) you know because we've sort of and then we'll go back and we'll process it because there's no sense in trying to make any logical reasonable connections when somebody is dysregulated it just won't work no, it won't. And I, and I love that you mentioned connections. Um, you have a saying that I've seen you mention a couple times. You said connection before correction. Um, and I absolutely yeah. love it. L- let's talk about the premise behind this saying. What are we meaning here when you say connection before correction? For sure. So I can't take credit for this. This is Jane Nelson with Positive Discipline. And the whole idea of Positive Discipline is that you have to connect before you can correct. Because think about it, you know, if I walk into a room and start yelling at people, they're gonna be like, who is that lady that nobody knows, right? No one's listening. Now, if I go to my son and I give him a huge hug and I say, whoa, it looks like this is really tough, really tough. And he gives me a hug back and he goes, yeah, this is really tough. We've made that connection. And so we can start then processing through it. You cannot start correcting a behavior if that person doesn't feel connected to you. So those are always the first steps. And even the like sitting in the calming corner together, that's connection. Hey, do you want me to go with you or do you want to go by yourself? You decide that's connecting with them. And so this isn't just little kids. I mean, this is teenagers too. Mm-hmm. Gosh, looks sounds like today was really tough with your friends. Do you, I, I'm here for you. Do you want to talk about it with me? Do you want to journal it? Do you want to come back to it after dinner? You decide, right? And so kind of letting them know I'm here. I'm here. We're connected. I love that. I really feel like our kids, part of the reason that they're struggling, they just want and need more connection in their life, especially right now. I mean, like you said, with with 2020 and everything being online and virtual and this and that, like their human connection that they have has been minimal at best. And like they're craving connection. And it helps in so many ways, emotional, mental health, parenting, all of it so much better when there's meaningful connection. So I love that. And we have to hear what a kid's really saying, what a teenager's really saying. When a teenager, a teenager without is judging, they, <laughs> they say, "Leave me alone." That they don't mean leave me alone. What they really mean is, 
can you stand outside my door until I'm ready? You know, when they say, I don't want to talk to you, what they really mean is I don't have the words, but you know, don't leave me and, and let's find a way to talk about it. So I just said, we have to be careful of the words they say, isn't really what they mean. Right, right. Sometimes a leave me alone is more like I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Give me some space. And I might say that I heard you say, leave me alone. Would you like a little bit of space? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be in the living room if when you're ready to talk about it, something like that, right? So, just really kind of that pushing away for our kids. We know they they're really struggling with ways to pull us in. Yeah, yeah, we really need to work to connect with our kids, and they need yeah. us more than ever. Yeah. Um, now, I'm curious, just because in your work as a clinical psychologist, um, have you noticed if screens? Um, have made a difference in how kids (laughs) respond to change, their resiliency. Let's open up that can of worms. (laughs) I know, I know. And I guess I should position this from my little corner of the world. Yes. Um, I think that there is a gigantic cluster of children who get overstimulated with close-up screens. iPads, phones, even the show, like the TV right there. And I think they're not capable of telling us hey, this is overstimulating me. So Mm -hmm. what we then see is hours later, tantrums, meltdowns, snapping, yelling, grumpy, hard time sleeping, waking up at night, night terrors, diagnosed with ADHD, put on stimulant medications, behaviors in school, like all this stuff. And there is so many times where I have said to the families, Let's get rid of the iPad for two weeks. Give me two weeks. No phone, no iPad. You can blame it on me. I'll tell them it's my rule. Nothing gets charged in a bedroom. No screens for two weeks. And the callback is 100% change. 180. No more behaviors. No more emotional outbursts. No more talking back. We're connecting more. Um, you know, No more issues at school all of it because their brain was just getting so overstimulated and they don't have the ability to tell us, oh my gosh, I'm on like this crazy roller coaster right now. And what happens is when we take the screens away, when the screen time is done, we expect them to jump off the roller coaster. Have you, have you ever been on those like moving sidewalks in an airport? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, and you know the minute you get off of it, how your body's like, whoa, <laughs> we're not moving anymore. I'm so slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're the person walking next to it, right? And your kid's on this moving escalator and we take those screens away and their brain is still going. And so we just mm-hmm. really have to understand that we might be inducing some of these behaviors by getting their brains just so used to this constant stimulation of things all the time. And they just can't handle when it's not there. And so if it's, you know, and I think that there are, there are some kids that can handle it. Right. And we don't see that with them. And if you're not having any behavioral issues, if you say, Hey, 20 minutes, we need to turn it off. And your kid's able to do that. We're not seeing a lot of these aggressive behaviors or outbursts or over emotional stuff. Then don't, I'm not here to mess with your system. But if we're in that first category, we got to think about this isn't our kid being defiant or they're addicted to screens or they don't, you know, they don't like family time. It's that their brain is just on this hot circuit and it's hard to turn it off. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to also say, like, parents that are listening, we're not shaming you for screen time at all in any way, shape or form. Heavens no. Yeah. But it is good to be aware yeah, so my kids do screen time too. I know people are like, oh, I bet your kids ever do screen time. Well, we have screen-free days, but I'll tell you, those days are way harder on me than they are my kids. <laughs> so <laughs> we definitely have times where I have a meeting and 
my husband has a meeting to go to and the kids are at home and we're like, gosh, I don't know, just grab, like you can watch a show and you can grab a screen and we'll come back, you know, we have 30 to 45 minutes and we need to turn it off. So absolutely, we use them too. There's long car rides where we use screens. Um, but I also understand if that night is tough, it's probably more because of that than it mm -hmm. is because my kid's a bad kid or anything like that. It's probably more because I ramped up their brain with right. some of the close-up screens. Right. So parents listening, just know that we're just trying to show you there are some other reasons of outbursts other than your kids being difficult. Yeah. Um, well, so try it. I mean, and so try two weeks of no screen time and see what happens. Hear that? Try it out, guys. Try it out. They're See what happens. And then, and then if and then if it goes bad, you can go talk to Maylin about. It. No, I'm kidding. I was gonna um, say, Maybe can you provide your email? <laughs> it's at bulliesb.com. Um, there you go. <laughs> so I, I I love everything that just said right there. Just because a big part of my movement is trying to help kids get off the screens to live their life, so that their brains are being stimulated by life and not a screen. Um, my whole movement, I mean, Bullies Be Gone, everything started with me trying to help empower bully victims uh, for those who feel weak or voiceless using things that I learned from just my own experiences, plus things I learned as a counselor. Um, and something that I talk a lot about um, is empathy and how social media is kind of robbing our kids of empathy or screens kind of, it's yeah. de-emotionizing de our kids. My question yeah. to you is, what can we do as parents to help foster empathy within our kids from your standpoint as a psychologist? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a really nice segue because I was going to say, you know, if we kind of go back a step on some of that screen time stuff, and this is for older kids who are more engaged in social media, there's a lot of times where kids are pretty seriously bullied through social media without it being very obvious to parents. Oh, so yeah. I will hear a lot. Well, I have all their logins and I check their social media and I'm on their Facebook and I'm on their Instagram. But what parents don't see is the picture of all of their friends on Saturday night and they weren't invited to it. Their daughter, their son wasn't invited to it. And that's a way of bullying where we have everyone's at something, but you're not. Um, we have private groups that I find the kids I work with, the teens I work with, this is horrific. One of the girls I was working with, there was a Facebook group at her high school started and the group was, we hate her name. Well, if a parent is checking that girl's social media, they don't know that there's a private group of 50 different kids from the high school in this Facebook group. And all they do is post horrendous things about her. She knows that because someone told her. And that's why this social media stuff is so dangerous because I think we see our kid go into their room and then they come out and we don't know all of the things that they've been exposed to by just a simple checking of some of that stuff. And so it's double-sided double, it double -sided in a sense that that's gonna happen. It's the world that we live in now. So I do think we need to really shell and protect our kids from going, you know, hey, those aren't your friends. Those aren't the type of kids you hang with. But we also need to have that open door where our kids can come and talk to us and say, oh man, I was really bummed. There was a get together on Saturday night and everybody was in it and I wasn't invited. So right. it kind of bummed me out to see it, right? You know, and I love your message too. Like if you're engaging on social media and it doesn't bring you joy, get off of it, get out of it. Like you don't need to subject yourself to that stuff online if it doesn't serve a good purpose for you. I yeah. So, I mean- 
it's a little bit of a segue off of empathy, but I think it's really important for parents to know that kids can really be bullied in social media in ways that that we don't see and that yeah. isn't as obvious. Yeah, the, the parent, they, they, they don't see the exclusion. They don't see the purposeful yeah. leaving out, stuff like that. Um, and I, and, and, and it's really tough on kids. I mean, that was, I mean, when I was in high school, that's when Facebook started getting big. Um, <laughs> I graduated in 2011. I'm not that old. Um, I'm a baby, <laughs> um, but that's when Facebook had gotten big. And um, that was part, some of the times where I was noticing most like how, how bummed I was because I was seeing all these posts of all these people who I thought were my friends getting together and doing things. And I yeah. wasn't there. Um, yeah. And so it's really, really hard. Um, it's a bummer. Yeah. And so I think that's what it is a lot too, is just having that, like we talked about connection, open door, we're able to talk about these things, right? Mm -hmm. Calling your kids on it. Hey, I noticed every time you go on Facebook, you're pretty bummed out. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Hey, I noticed every time you talk to this friend, you leave and you're kind of, you know, when you hang out with these kids, you're just not, not yourself anymore. What's going on? And I think those conversations are really important because those in and of themselves help to foster empathy within our kids. When we yeah. show empathy to our kids, yeah. asking them, like, I noticed you've been feeling really bummed out. Like I've noticed your emotions. I'm trying to acknowledge and validate you. Um, it makes a difference because then they start doing that too. Um, well, and that's what I was going to say. Being a good example. I think you segued into that perfectly. We've got to be a good example, right? And we really think about it. Our kids are watching us all the time. Yep. How do we talk about our own friends, right? Do I have someone over for dinner and then they leave and we go, oh, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. You know, and I say all this and our kids are listening to that. Mm -hmm. Do I talk to my husband and go, can you believe that kid and their class did right. this? Oh, you know, am I, am I, and my kids listening to that? You know, do I, do we go to a park and I go, oh, don't play with that kid. Right. Our kids right. are listening to that. Yep. Do I hold the door open for someone? Do I give someone my parking spot? Do I pay for coffee for the car behind me? Like all those times our kids are watching us. So we really need to be pulling in. How am I being a good role model? If these are the ways I would like my child to act or not act. Right. If you want your kid to be a kind, empathetic kid, you need to be a kind, empathetic person um, yeah. because they can only do so much from the environment that they're in. Um, yeah. yeah, I loved everything you just said. All of it. I I, I wouldn't want to talk for five hours, but we cannot <laughs> do that. Um, thank you so much for everything you're doing. You're helping so many people, not just the people that you serve in your profession, like your job job, but like the, your, your presence online is nothing but a positive one. Um, and so I appreciate you for that. You're helping so Thank many families. Um, I appreciate you so much. Your mission is on it. Like this is what we need. So keep plugging away. This is really great. I mean, I think we need every kid on this type of social media. Amen. So how can people get a hold of you or see what you're up to? Shameless plug time. Oh, good job. Thanks. So I'm just at Raising Good Kids, which is the Instagram handle, the website. So I have character building games that I made from 10 plus years of working with kids and families. Um, and people can get those at the website, raisinggoodkids.com. Mm -hmm. My hope is to be putting together some more like online type extended things that parents can engage with. Like I'm going to use this word carefully, like membershipy kind of thing where they can right. just plug away into all the, like, kind of like Netflix, right? So you can just like 
download all this stuff. So that's kind of in the works right now. But um, right now, I'm just really happy to engage with everybody on Instagram and see what everyone's up to and what your struggles are and what you're, you know, what's really resonating with people. And mm-hmm. that's been kind of the most helpful is just to get to know where everyone's at. Yep. So yeah, there you go. All that that's going to be in the show description. Um, but yeah, just at raising good kids. Um, she responds to you if you pester her enough. No, I'm kidding. Um, no. <laughs> Stop twice now, three times. <laughs> yeah. She was awesome guys. Um, so go check her out. Go follow her. She shares practical and usable tools all the time. Um, she actually recently got shared by like a really cool psychotherapist. Um, I know. I tease him all the time that he's like the McDreamy of psychologists. <laughs> so I think he was like, just because I think he has like a very um, like aesthetic appeal to the therapy on TikTok kind of thing. Lots of charisma, <laughs> that's for sure. I know. So I was teasing him actually about how that's kind of funny. Because who would have thought we could put therapist stuff on social media? Like, right. There's always been this kind of like gray area where our older professionals have been like, it's a no. And I think we're finding that it's actually really helpful and useful for people to consume stuff in doses. You know, it's not therapy for sure, but just to be able to have access to thought changing mindset material. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, guys, go check her out. Um, and for your daily dose of positivity, for your daily dose of positivity, go and follow me at bulliesbee.com. And always remember, You are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.